Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. Well, appreciate that and uh, so thank you. Didn't expect uh, those gifts and recognition um, and appreciate that support. You know, any marriage that's, that stayed, stayed the course has been through some storms. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to sharing some of the things the Lord has helped us with as an encouragement to marriages here and uh, those aspiring to marry. It's a good thing. The Bible says those who find a good wife, and I found a good wife. Amen. Uh, I waited uh, quite some time as a single guy, so encourage all the singles here. Amen. If you have a desire to marry, then God has a mate for you. And I believe he gets involved as we trust him in that area. Some might have the gift. That's also, amen, okay. The gift that is of celibacy. I haven't met too many, but there are a few. And that's totally legitimate. So I don't feel under pressure, but it is a good thing. Amen. And so we're just sharing with you more of that. Amen. Um, yeah, this exciting day, Pentecost. And uh, it's, it's a distinctive, uh, particularly of this church and many churches all across the world. Um, just a, a quick announcement. Um, next week, there's going to be a baptism, water baptism. And uh, we've got a, a few folks being water baptized. And so if there's anyone here that you haven't been water baptized yet, and it's something that is on your heart, you, you absolutely want to take this step forward with your faith then directly after the service, I appreciate if you just come and see me and let me know. But we'll do it next Sunday. Uh, it's the communion service, the meal. So we're going to put it all together a big, in a big celebration. And so it's going to be a very exciting time. So please uh, come supporting those being baptized. And it's always a great joy to be a part of that. Um, yeah, on the subject of water baptism, um, there was I heard a story once of uh, a, a boy, and, and a, a minister and his son were in church and they did a baptism service and the little boy was watching everything going on and got quite inspired. And so going home that day, uh, they were preparing lunch and, and, and then the father heard his son outside, um, you know, pretending to do a water baptism. And so he's, he grabbed a, their, their pet cat and... Uh, <laughs> He's holding this cat over a water butt in the garden. You know, there's water containers. And he's there and he's, he's going to practice what he's seen. And, and so he says, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and in the hole you go. <laughs> I hate to think what happened next. But anyway, <laughs> praise the Lord. We, we thank God for baptism. And, and I want to talk about another baptism. Uh, this morning, and that is the baptism of the Spirit. Amen. And uh, I mean, who is who is baptized in the Spirit here? If you'd just like to raise your hand quickly, gives an idea. Praise the Lord. Amen. Many people. There will be opportunity at the end of the service, or we'll have the prayer team come and pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit. And I'll just explain a little bit more about that. And so if you haven't been baptized in the Spirit, then please listen up and, and be open to receive that gift. If you have already been baptized, listen up, because God wants to encourage your heart in this wonderful thing that we have called Spirit Baptism. 
and all that it affords to us as God's children. Amen. Like, like uh, uh, Brother Emmanuel was saying, you know, Pentecost, um, there was a revival. Um, you probably, many of you are familiar with Zusa Street. And um, it actually began before that in a nation, a small country called Armenia, uh, which is sort of Europe, Middle East area. We've actually, I've had the privilege of going there uh, a few years back. And it was incredible because God was beginning to pour out his, well, God always wanted to pour out his spirit. It's not God holding back, but people were, were ignorant people. The word of God was not properly understood. And so there's a whole swathe in, in church history that uh, the baptism wasn't widely known. I'm sure some were, but it wasn't like a movement as we're accustomed to today. And so the Holy Spirit was being poured out in Armenia. They were receiving uh, the evidence of that, primarily uh, speaking in tongues, and they were learning gift of prophecy and all these things. And so there was a little boy who uh, had a prophetic word, and he he was moved upon by the Holy Spirit, and he spoke of a coming persecution to Armenia. And in the prophecy, very specific word of prophecy, and God was saying, leave Armenia. And, and so there was a certain amount of skepticism at the time about, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because it was very new uh, to, to many uh, churches in Armenia. And some people just kind of like dismissed that. Oh, it's just a little boy. Uh, you know, we, we can't take that too seriously. But some people did. And many Christians said, you know what, this is a, they had a witness that this is a word from God. And they left Armenia and they went to America. And they carried with that, um, that was like, you know, the beginnings of, of Azusa Street, if you like. And shortly after that time, uh, sadly in history, we know the invasion of, of Turkey. And there was a, the, um, which is controversial even today, um, but was a genocide taking place in Armenia. And uh, the Christians that listened and heeded, uh, their lives were saved. But unfortunately, the ones that didn't and stayed were where tragically many of them died in that genocide. So we need the Holy Spirit. Amen. He speaks. God is a speaking God. And God wants to speak to us collectively, but God also speaks to us individually. And that's one of the beautiful things that the baptism of the Holy Spirit does. Primarily, we have the Word of God as our main guidance as believers. We must be rooted in the Word, and that's our primary source but God will speak to us by his spirit. And uh, how precious that is and how important that is at key moments in our lives. We see that played out in the early church. And uh, actually, there, I believe, you know, there was a prophetic word. Uh, I believe there was interpretation. Uh, perhaps God gave you that interpretation. And, and maybe at the end you can give that. Uh, I know it can be a little bit intimidating. Um, because you're wrestling with it. But God will give you a word if you have the baptism. And sometimes he wants you to share that uh, to the church. Um, so the baptism is a foundational truth in the word of God. That is the baptism of the spirit. In Hebrews chapter 6, um, I won't read the, the whole text, but it talks about uh, a doctrine of baptisms. A doctrine of baptisms in the plural. And so we understand water baptism, and by and large, the church hasn't deviated from that. 
But it also involves the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as Jesus demonstrated. He was water baptized, but also as he came out, out of the water, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descended upon him. And up until that time, Jesus performed no miracle. Uh, his ministry hadn't begun, but his ministry begun after being baptized in the Spirit. And he worked all kinds of miracles and his, his, his supernatural ministry began. And that's just the example that we have as God's people. We are water baptized because we're following Jesus' example. And we are spirit baptized by following Jesus' example. And we carry on the ministry that he began. It's a foundational truth. And like any foundational truth, the enemy, if possible, would try to break it up. And that's why there's been some confusion around the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And like I said, in, 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 in hundreds of years, many churches didn't experience it because they didn't believe it was possible today. And that's a great uh, sadness um, but right believing is a bit like making a right connection with electricity. Um, you know, electricity has to flow through a current. And providing that you've got the right conducting materials, that will flow freely. But some materials doesn't conduct so well. You cannot very easily flow electricity through wood. Certainly not rubber and other materials. And so that's kind of like our believing. If our believing is amiss... We cannot connect with God as powerful as we could. And so this is really a foundational teaching to bring us back to foundational truth of what the baptism is all or, or meant to be from the word of God. You know, we have an example of wrong believing in uh, Luke uh, 9, Matthew 9 and Matthew 17. It's the story of a boy that was brought to, G- uh, a boy that was brought to the disciples to heal. He was epileptic. And the disciples had healed many people um, before this time. Jesus sent them out two by two. um, And so they had faith for healing. It wasn't something new they were trying to do. But in this particular case, they failed to do it. It's only one of the few examples we see in scripture of a failure to heal. And so you know, Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration. The father run, uh, comes to him and he's desperate. And, and we know the story. Jesus ultimately heals the boy. But before he does that, he says, oh, faithless and perverse generation. Now, he's speaking to the disciples. <laughs> That's quite a scathing comment. That's quite a rebuke. Um, and he said, oh, faith and, and perverse generation. He said, why did you not believe? And, you know... Disciples being typically human came to him privately afterwards, <laughs> not publicly. Lord, why, why, what went wrong there? Why can't we do this? And Jesus said, the first thing he said was because of unbelief. Now they had belief because they wouldn't have tried if they didn't believe God could heal. But they, unbelief crept in and it prevented the miracle from flowing. If you like, it prevented the power going through. And... We can understand a little bit why that happened because even when Jesus came to came across this boy, he had a, a fit in front of him. And so when you're seeing something negative, that can influence your believing. 
And so probably the disciples initially prayed for the boy. There was no immediate change. They saw the boy fitting and they thought, oh, this isn't working. Unbelief comes in. And they're thinking, oh, why isn't it working? What's going on? And that was blocking it. And that's why Jesus said, oh, faithless and perverse generation. So right believing is so important. We have to hold to truth until something changes. Not adjust the truth by our own um, uh, subjective experience. And that's always been a problem uh, or has been a problem for believers is that we allow our subjective experience to determine what we believe. So, for example, we pray for somebody to be healed. They don't get healed. And, and uh, therefore, we conclude God doesn't want to heal. That's, we never allow human experience to determine what we believe. We allow the word of God to determine what we believe and human experience to match the word. So we persevere in the word. We, and we have much more success by doing it that way than allowing human experience to dictate what we believe. Because the devil is a thief. He doesn't want the power of God to be demonstrated. He doesn't want to miracles to flow freely in any church. And so he, he, try, he does all he can to prevent the power from flowing. Um, I kind of br- blame the French, you know, sorry if anyone, any French here. Um, <laughs> but the French, they had a revolution some, some a few hundred years ago. And, um, and in that revolution, they created a new belief system, uh, culture de la raison, uh, the cult of reason. They exalted human reasoning or logic above religion. That was the essence of their revolution. They even had a goddess. That's crazy. I say, we don't believe in God, but we, we have a goddess, you know. Um, and so they, they began to esteem higher than God's word, rationale and human reasoning. And that's influenced the whole of the Western world. And this is a main reason why we struggle as believers to believe sometimes for the supernatural because we have been conditioned to think and rely upon our human reasoning more. If we can't understand it, therefore, we find it hard to accept it. And we've, we've been taught that way. But when it comes to the supernatural workings of God, it's, it's never going to come through human reasoning. Jesus dealt with this with the disciples. Um, they get on the boat, and Jesus said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they, they like being naturally minded, said, oh, who, who forgot the bread? You know, someone's, you know, Jesus had rebuking us, we didn't bring bread, you know? And Jesus said, Guys, and he gives them a whole object lesson. He says, He said, I'm not talking about that. He said, He takes them back to the, the multiplication of the, of the loaves and the fishes. He takes them back to the supernatural working of God. He said, you guys are thinking naturally. Just because we don't have bread in the boat doesn't mean you're not going to eat because with God, all things are possible. So he always challenged his disciples to not think naturally, but to see the situation from a supernatural or from a God-down perspective, not from an earth-up perspective. And And he challenged them. He said, the Pharisees, because they had a religion that did not cater for the supernatural. We see in John 20, uh, a mention of the Holy Spirit coming. 
It says in John 20 that Jesus breathed on his disciples. And this was just after his resurrection. Um, It's an interesting account. This is a separate account to when they received the baptism that Jesus spoke of recorded in Acts chapter 2. So he breathed on the disciples. This was not the baptism in the Holy Spirit because he spoke about that afterwards. So what happened in John chapter 20? They received the Holy Spirit, but the, I believe at that moment they were, that's when they were born again. Because you cannot be born again unless it's by the Spirit of God. But they hadn't yet received the power. And so there is a separate experience in the Word of God to being saved, because you cannot be saved without having the Holy Spirit, but the additional baptism, like Jesus... He received power to do miracles. And this is what our Pentecost is all about. Because 50 days later, after he breathed upon them, they then received the baptism uh, recorded in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 to 8. Or Jesus uh, spoke of it coming. And let's read that, Acts chapter 1, verse 4 to 8. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait... For the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put it in his own authority, but you shall receive power When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and to the end of the earth. Amen. And and we can read in Acts chapter 2 when that actually happened. And they're all assembled. They've been uh, praying together uh, for a number of days. And during a prayer meeting, it happened. And they heard like a sound of a, a wind, a rushing wind. And the, the scripture says that the spirit came in, in a visible form. It was like fire, tongues of fire resting on every one of them. And then he just, they went outside and they were so ecstatic, uh, so enthused that they just began to belt it out, you know. And, and people thought they were mad. Well, some people did. Some people thought they were drunk. Um, but they were amazed because they... It, it was during Pentecost, which is a, a feast, and they had Jews from all over the, the region speaking different languages, and they all, that's speaking, you know, Egyptian, that person's speaking, you know, another language, and they thought, how can this be? These are just ordinary people who are uneducated, and that's how the baptism of the Spirit manifested, and it still does. You know, it, I was so blessed, um, you know, I, I used to teach a, a class of New Believers class for a number of years. Um, it was a class that Claire attended, and uh, she attended it a second time. First time for God and second time for something else. But amen. <laughs> I had no complaints. <laughs> and anyway, there was a story I'd always tell when it came to the, the teaching of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I, and I remember reading the book. I couldn't source it, but I knew I read it somewhere. And it's a story of a, a Chinese man who was coming 
uh, to a church. He wasn't saved. He wasn't born again. But he was interested. And he'd come, you know, week after week, but never, never made a commitment, never made a decision for Christ. And in one particular service, he, um, he made a decision and he, and he came down and he gave his life to the Lord. And, and people just said, oh, we don't, what was it about this particular service? You know, why, why did you do it today? He said, well, there was somebody in the church who was speaking out in my language beautiful things about God. That was here. That was this church. I, I was so blessed when I heard that. Was, uh, Peter Kavanagh referred to that. And uh, that was, I was amazed. And so, yeah, that's such a powerful thing. Sometimes God will give you a tongue which is actually in a different language. And uh, you've probably heard of, of many stories along that line, so you never know. Actually, I did once on, on, the, on the Google Translate, you know, speaking tongues and see, you know, what language it could be. But it didn't come out of anyone. <laughs> It also can be a heavenly language, you know. <laughs> but, you know, sadly, not, not everyone is open to, to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus spoke, uh, you know, about this, um, this reservation in, in Luke chapter, chapter uh, uh, Luke 11, verse 9. And, you know, he talks about, you know, will a father give a son? You know, a stone, if he asks for bread, will he give him a serpent, if he asks for a fish? He said, no, God will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. He's a good God. It's a good thing to receive because some people are a bit reserved and aren't sure about the baptism in the Holy Spirit because it is supernatural. You cannot have the utterance of speaking a different language. Um, it's not through intellect that you're doing that. It's by your spirit that you're praying in its unknown language. People have sometimes doctrinal reservations. It's how they've been brought. It could be cultural. Sadly, there is teaching against the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This, this is what we, we noticed in China. There were parts of China that were very vibrant, and the church um, was growing very quickly, and they experienced miracles. Um, and they were churches that believed in the baptism or were open to it and receiving it. And there were other churches where they taught very strongly a cessationism, and they, they, you know, the, the doctrines, many of the doctrines were good, but it was, it was closed to the Holy Spirit, the baptism. And they weren't experiencing miracles, and they weren't experiencing the kind of power that God wants his church to have. So some people are closed. I must admit, I am a classic Pentecostal. I do believe tongues is, is an evidence, if not the main evidence, of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is in Acts chapter 10, uh, verse 46. It says, They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. This is when Cornelius and his household received the Holy Spirit. Peter noticed that they had it. How? He heard them speaking in tongues and magnifying God. In Acts chapter 19, verse 8, verse 6, And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So again, we have the mention of speaking tongues along with prophecy. And so we have the few examples in the word of God when people received the Holy Spirit, they spoke with tongues. It was an outflow or an evidence of that. And I think God wants it to be that way so we know we've got it. How do you know you've got it? And I know some people teach that. that and I'm not saying that you, you know someone might receive it and they... 
They might not speak in tongues at that moment, but I, I believe they would. I remember a friend of mine who was prayed for. He didn't, he didn't immediately speak. Because sometimes on the spot, people are a bit nervous, you know. But he was in, at home at night, and he just felt something coming up, and he started just speaking in tongues. And he had received the baptism. You know, in Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, um, you know, he deals quite specifically about, um, in chapter 14, the baptism and, and the, the, the outflow or, or, or speaking in tongues. He elaborated. And his context was, was uh, mostly or sp- specifically about the gathering of the church. So he's dealing with some issues in the church and how, how, what it should look like, what it's not. And he says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20, Brethren, become not children in, under, in the understanding, but in the evil be ye babes. And in the understanding become ye perfect. In the law, if it have been written, that with tongues and with other lips, I will speak to this people. And not even so will they hear me, saith the Lord. So that the tongues are for a sign, not to the, unbe- not to the believing, but to the unbelieving. And the prophecy, not for the believing, but for the believing. Here, Paul is, is quoting directly from Isaiah chapter 28. He's drawing from that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so if we read Isaiah 28, verse 11, it says, For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest with which you may cause the people to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. And I think this is, this is what has been sad in church history, or even today, those who are not open to receive, particularly the gift of tongues, is there a, there's a refreshing. There's a rest that God has ordained to come to them spiritually, as they speak in stammering lips or another tongue. This is a prophetic fulfillment from Isaiah, and this is what Paul is drawing from. There's something powerful, praying in the Spirit. You don't know what you're praying, but, this, but God knows what you're praying. It's a bit like you know, the, old, the old computers, you know, when they dial up. I don't remember who, who remembers dial up, you know? Not, not broadband, yeah. And you'd get these noise, right? And so you'd hear the computer communicating digitally to some server somewhere on the internet, and it's doing stuff, right? It's uploading, it's downloading, you know something's going on, you're watching the thing so slow go across when you're downloading something. And it's a bit like that when we pray in tongues. Our spirit is communing, is talking to God and relaying things that are deep in our heart with God. And there is a, a, a two-way transaction going on, and, and it's a refreshing, Scripture says. God has ordained that this refreshes the believer. It strengthens the believer. It's a rest. I mean, Paul actually boasted, didn't he, in, in, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14. He says, I speak in tongues more than you all. You know, he's like, guys, I, I just let you know, I, I, I do this all the time. <laughs> And look at Paul's life. He was, he was exemplary as a, as a man living with power. I mean, they, they, they took him out. They stoned him. And he just gets up. 
He could have died, but he resurrected. You know, who knows? I mean, he went through, he went through a lot physically. We'd give up after one. You get beat once. And that's it. I'm done. <laughs> no more ministry for me. I'll just, you know. But Paul, he just had something. He was tapped into something that was powerful. He had a strength in his body that he would have not naturally had. He had a quickening. And I think a key to Paul was that he relied in t- on speaking in tongues a lot. He prayed all the time, probably on his, on his journeys. He's, you know, if he's not preaching or witnessing, he's speaking in tongues. So I wonder, you know, I'd like to revisit your own personal prayer time. How often do you speak in tongues? Is it only when you come to service? Or are you relying upon it? Are you tapping into this wonderful resource that God's given us as his people? This prayer language. Online, you can look up. They've done neuroscientific research. Um, I think it was a number of years ago, 12 years ago. Uh, I think they've done a few since. But, you know, they wanted to, 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 to do research on speaking in tongues. And they, they got a bunch of people together who were baptized in the Holy Spirit in a, in a, in a lab in America. They, they hooked up sensors to their brains. And they said, go for it. And so they, you know, they would speak in tongues and they would monitor what's happening to their brain. It's an interesting study. Uh, I encourage you to, to check it out. But, you know, they, they discovered some consistency with people who were hooked up to these uh, machines monitoring their brain activity. And they found that after 15 minutes of somebody praying in tongues, they found that the region of the brain... Some other people that I'm, I'm, <laughs> we have to quote, well, we have to give the exact name for it. A region of the brain associated with anxiety and, and you know, negative, negative feelings and emotions. They found that part of the brain was completely inactive. So, in other words, when they're praying in the spirit for, for at least 15 minutes, that person felt great calm. And, and another part of the brain, which is associated with creativity, was very active. And so, in other words, you know, there was inspiration that came, uh, you know, through, through praying in the spirit. And I wonder if we're utilizing as much as we can the gift that God has given you of praying in tongues. Because it's, a, it's, a, it's like a hotline with God. It's something happening that you've got to allow it some time. Like if you're downloading a program, you know, you've got to give it the full length of time it needs to download that program. If you abort it halfway through, it doesn't work. And I think there is so much more to speaking in tongues than what we realize. Like I said, Paul boasted about it. It says in uh, 1 Corinthians 14.4, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he prophesies edifies the church. So he's giving instructions to the church, and, and they, they were a little bit, the Corinthian church was the most abundant in the gifts of the Spirit, and he, was, he commended them, and they said, listen, guys, you guys are doing great when it comes to spiritual gifts, but you're a little bit disorderly. You know, you're a bit carnal, you need to, and, he, and he brought some measures and said, listen, you know, don't just bail it out, be a bit chaotic, you know, if, if it's, you know, if someone's speaking to the whole church, let them speak in a known tongue. You know, let them speak in the language that everyone understands because if you just bow down tongues, they're not going to know. Unless, he said, there's 
an utterance of tongues and it's interpreted. We, we believe in that as a, as a unique gift of the Spirit. But when it comes to our own personal praying in tongues, he said, you'll edify yourself. He said, you will build yourself up. That's what edify means. It means to build up. You are spiritually strengthening yourself as you pray in tongues. Jude 20 says, you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. I believe here is another reference to speaking in tongues, praying in the Spirit. And, and so you build yourself up. You strengthen yourself. You enable a fluidity, if you like, of, of spiritual things. And because naturally we tend to be carnal. Our natural self, I'm not talking about just the, the, the sinful side, but we naturally tend to gravitate towards natural mindedness, thinking logically. And, and, and we've got to be able to see things differently at times. We've got to see what God's doing in the situation. There's a natural occurrence, but there's also what is God saying? What is God communicating? We, we, we encounter issues in our life. And I believe God, you know, he wants us to learn things from those, those things. There's a word in the Bible. Um, I'll probably elaborate another time on this, but Jesus it's anablepo, which means to receive sight. And, and it says Jesus received sight on a few occasions. One of those occasions is um, before he multiplied the, the, the bread and the, loaf, uh, the fish and the, and the loaves. He said he looked up, anablepo. And that word is most commonly used in scripture to, to talk about somebody who's blind who can see again. And so what it's saying is, and the Bible is very, you know, particular with the use of the Greek words because it gives us a fuller understanding. But he is, you know, Jesus is receiving sight a second time. And, and, and so when, when they're out of food, I believe what was taking place, Jesus looked up, received sight from heaven and saw spiritually the bread and the loaves multiplying, bread and the fish multiplying. And therefore, he knew what to do. And don't we need the same? We come across an impossible situation, a dilemma. We need spiritual insight. We need a fresh view of what's taking place. Because if we, if we respond by the natural, we will act in the natural. And we're, we're basically closing off to possibly what God can do. Because he wants to show himself strong on behalf of those who trust him. Amen. And this wonderful gift helps us to get out of the natural mind. Because the Bible says the natural mind cannot receive the things of God. It cannot comprehend it. It'll never get it. <laughs> and that's why the church has closed out over the years to miracles, because people can't understand the miracle. Therefore, oh, we can do without that now. And that's, amen, we're, we're not that, are we? Amen, I believe God is wanting to do some amazing things and will do amazing things as we just get, have an open roof. Amen. Not only in church, but in our own personal lives. So I encourage you, I challenge you, amen, to revisit this, this whole gift of speaking in tongues. Praise the Lord. Amen. Is there anyone here who, is not, who doesn't speak in this, in this language, um, but you want to? You're not baptized, you, you don't, okay? 
Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Just raise your hand quickly. If you're not praying in this language, but you want it, you're open to receive it. Again, God doesn't force the issue. Don't worry. If, you, if you're not sure about it, I encourage you to maybe talk to some people, myself, some of the elders, the leadership here, and uh, they'll explain and, and, and perhaps go through scripture with you. But if you're wide open, you say, Lord, if it's good, I want it. Then, then uh, why don't you, we, we got the worship team as they come, choir, please, can you come? And we're going to have people pray with you. And they're going to uh, release that gift, that baptism into your life. Amen. As they come. As we're waiting for them, if there's anyone here and you, you know, you're open-minded, you're not a Christian, but you're interested. You know, the Bible speaks about a new birth. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he elaborated in that scripture, John chapter 3, you might want to check it out. But he talks about a spiritual birth. Something spiritually has to happen between you and God. It's a new life received. It's a new identity. It's your true identity. Because we're born naturally, the Bible says, away from God. We're born naturally the scripture to call sinners. We're naturally inclined to do wrong. And to be accepted and received by God, we've got to have a new birth. It's a gift, the Bible says. It's not about just getting religious or, or embracing some rules. It's receiving a new life. And Jesus rose again to give you that life. And if you want to receive that life, you want to give your heart to Jesus, you recognize that the way your life is at the moment is not good but you want to change, you're prepared to change, then lift your hand if that's you, and we'll have, again, the, the, the um, prayer ministry team to pray with you. If there's anyone here, you, you'd like to become a Christian, you're not one already, or you want to know more about it, and uh, our team will help you. If that's anyone, just quickly lift your hand, and then we'll, we'll direct you where to go. Okay. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.